we're recording now. We can just right, kind of keep man. things going. It. Um, so I might come back a little bit later and do like an intro type thing. I think the the main thing I want to kind of talk about in the beginning is spend forty five seconds or something talking about what we're trying to do here. Sure. You know, what's okay. the purpose of it? Um, and maybe it does flow a little bit better if I do like a little a quick little intro thing to, to kind of get us going. But um, we'll see. So. I wanted to kind of put this thing together, just say, you know what, everybody on Sunday mornings, we show up to church and we put our best on and I drag my three kids in there and we try to look, you know, look our best for that one hour. The perfect camp family. Yeah. yeah. But you know, my relationship with God is not played out from 11 to 12 on Sunday morning. In fact, it's the opposite. I don't see church as my place to come show up and, and look, you know, the part for that hour. That's my break. I see church as like rehab for sinners. Yep. Okay, you, you can't look at it. You really can't get in too much trouble for that hour. Right. I, I look at it as, and I think we talked about it earlier, man. Church, church should be a place of where you're getting trained, where where you're getting equipped, where you're being challenged to go out and be the disciples Monday through Friday. And I find myself much much closer to God. When I focus on my relationship with him on Tuesday at 9 a.m. and Friday at 6 p.m., that's when I'm closer to God. It's not about how I am 11 to 12 on Sunday. That's it. And, that's it. you know, honestly, I'm probably not the best at even being there at 11 to 12 on Sunday. I might be listening to it on a walk or something like that. But that to me, it's like, well, that, that's that's one hour of my 168 a week. You know, th- I think that was one of my thoughts for the show for this is, Maybe we just call it the other 167. You know, like it was, I, we I all like know how that. to do it that one hour. Yeah, I like <laughs> what about that. The other? the other 167. I like that a lot. I think one of the things that's tough for for Christians and also those who may not necessarily consider themselves Christians but are searching for something, they're, they're searching for a closer connection to God, it's um, we tend to be kind of hard on ourselves. We know we're supposed to be perfect and we're not supposed to have, we're not <laughs> yeah. supposed to sin, we're not supposed to do all these things. Look, God knows we're sinners. That's why he sent Christ. If we confess, God, I'm sorry, I have not seeked you like I should, or man, I, I, I really let that guy hold it and I shouldn't have. I mean, be honest and confess it. And confess means to repent from it. And, and then here's what it says. It says, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And and you're exactly right. If God's forgiven me, why on earth do I carry that guilt anymore? Christianity is not about oh you got to believe a certain certain things. Yeah, there there we want to make sure our doctrine's right, but really it's about Christ in us. That's the hope of glory, as Paul calls it in Colossians, and that that's really what man that's really what should drive us each and every day is knowing that no Christ is in me. We can live these lives that that strive and want to draw closer to the Lord. Will we get it perfect? <laughs> no. Uh, I haven't. You haven't. None of us have. And at the same time, though, that's the beauty of God, knowing, one, his grace, but also he knows our heart. My daughter, so my daughter came to me the other day. I may have told you this the other day at lunch. I can't remember when this was, but my daughter came to me, eight years old, and she's a, she is a sassy little girl. She's eight going on 18. And she comes to me one, one night. She says, Daddy, I, I'm... I, I accidentally said a word, and I didn't mean to say it. Talk about it. Did, uh, did, but I didn't mean it the way I meant it. I meant it. I, I think she said hell. She said, yeah. I didn't mean it is in the bad word. I meant it is in Biblical the place. Sense. Biblical I sense. Said, I said, that's okay, sweetie. She said, but I told God I'm sorry. You think he forgives me? I said, I'm sure he forgives me. And, sweetie, you don't even have to worry about it because he knows exactly what you meant. And he knows exactly what was in your heart. And if you did, really didn't mean it that way, then he knows that. You don't even have to apologize for it. And she goes, Rut, Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Rut, 
Yeah, and I'm There's like, no that's, that yeah, yeah. And that she might. figured, but, but you know, I think that is kind of the, that, again, kind of goes back to what I said at the beginning. I don't bother putting up much of a front on Sunday mornings to be perfect because God knows that that's the truth. He, he and he's the only one I really care about impressing. I don't, look, I like you, Ben. You don't get to judge me at the <laughs> yeah, end of the day, you know? Right. So it's like, yeah. I, I'm with, at the end of the day, he knows where I'm really at. Why fake I'm it? I'm not the one keeping score. <laughs> that's and, right. Uh, it, but it's funny how many people that, uh, uh-oh, the pastor's coming. we got to clean the house or we got to get rid of this or, or we got to <laughs> act like that. And I'm like, I'm just a dude. Yeah. And, that's the part of, we said earlier, it's a relationship. Well, really, it's a friendship, if you stop and think about it. Jesus said, no longer do I call you slaves, I call you friends. Last time I checked, friends talk. Friends can talk. And so, yeah, it's, it's learning how to hear from him. And again, it's not some great big voice booming from the heavens. Uh, oftentimes, it might just be when you, when you read a passage, uh, you know, hear, hearing a sermon, or man, sometimes it's just in the quiet, in the stillness of just being before him whether it's in prayer or just, just getting alone, turning the TV off and just saying, Lord, I just want to want to think about who you are and what you've done or just to say thank you. He'll, he'll let you know. And that's I think that's the thing is I used to think the same thing. I used to hear that when I was a kid. People talking about, yeah, God talked to me, and I used to think, okay, that's just weird yeah. uh, until, okay, yeah, he does. And God, God is just as, as real and wants to commune with his people and wants to fellowship with his people. So, yeah, he'll, he's going to talk. It's just are we going to tune out everything to listen? I've always been a big warrior. i got got 100 million things on my mind all the yeah. time. And I'm a very analytical person. I overanalyze every aspect of everything. <laughs> but... He's helped me in the last year basically to say things kind of fall under one or two categories. They matter or they don't. Right. If Again, simple. Like if that. they matter, you give it all you got and you worry about that. And if they don't, don't worry you don't, about them. Don't, you don't control the thing. Right. And uh, when it comes down to it. Right. You can make sure that you're The only thing right we place. control is the one thing I don't want, free will. <laughs> I didn't right. want free will. In fact, I asked you that one time. Why did God give us free will? Yeah. That seems like more of a curse than a blessing. Right. And then when the Bible tells us things like, don't worry about anything. Uh, or um, Jesus says, don't be, don't be worrying about what you're going to wear and you know, what you're going to eat and all the things we're consumed with. Instead, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Man, that, those are some hard, hard statements. Okay, I've got to surrender my life to God. Well, that seems like a lot. Well, why? He's the one who gave it to you in the first place. It's really right. not yours. It, it wasn't yours. He gave it to you, so you should. It's, it, it's very logical breath. that we should give it up right. to him, but... It's hard to do in practice. Like, what exactly does that mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, what, are you, what are you going to ask me to do? Yeah. <laughs> we use this term surrender. All right, that frightens us to begin with because, oh no, he might ask me to go to the ends of the earth or he might ask me to, you know, who knows what he might ask me to do. It, it always comes down to trust. Do you trust that God has your best interest at heart? Yeah. Some of the biggest uh, hurts and heartaches in my life, I look back on and I hated them. Yeah. I hated it and I hated going through it. But now I look back, you know, again, time and perspective, time, time kind of changes perspective that I can look back and say, but God, even in that time, that's where I learned who you were. That fear of God has always been something that I think a lot of people, because I, I agree, you know, my God is a bad God. He's an awesome <laughs> God. I mean, hey, that's pretty bad when you can part the Red Sea. It's pretty, you, you're a bad dude, no? And he's, a, he's an awesome God. And I think it's one, though, of that God, God, God is so far beyond us but he's simple. 
And when you think about how awesome he is and all the things he created and all that he can do, yeah, I've got an awe and a reverential awe, a, a respect for him. But at the same time, this is the same God that, that, for lack of a better term, nailed his son to a tree so that I could know him and I could be forgiven. Yeah, I, I think that's a God I want to know. It's always grace. And I think that's the thing of, you're talking about the, the, the 167, the other 167. Man, it's by grace. Yeah. It's by grace we're saved. It's by grace we live each and every day. And when we know that it's by grace, you know, God, God gives it freely. Uh, the Bible says he lavishes it upon us. I mean, it's sort of like I tell my kids not to jump from the third step. It's not, I'm not telling you not to because it's not that fun. I'm yeah. telling you not to because it's stupid and it's going to get you hurt. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, yeah, I do think God corrects us. And I don't think, I think where people tend to get, we get angry at God. He's right. punishing us. Yeah. He's punishing us for our, well, okay, frankly, he probably, he's, I know he's punished me. I know he has. But he had to. He was really right. stupid and it deserved to be punished. God, no, he's yeah. training you. He's, wor he's working on you. Mm -hmm. Growth is not comfortable. That's right. And, and I think you, 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 what you just said is basically Hebrews. Let's go back a little bit more. Is you know, the, the book of Hebrews tells us that who, whom God loves, he disciplines, or as children. Uh, what kind of parent doesn't discipline their children? Oftentimes, we, we make God this tyrant, if you will, of thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. Well, listen, every time he tells us thou shalt not, he's really saying to us, thou shalt not hurt yourself. <laughs> because I, I look at it as more of a it's not a set of rules it's a set of instructions to guide right. you right yeah. and and God's, God's not complicated God's simple no he, he's not a police officer looking to bust you he's not a police officer looking to throw you under the prison I, I like to look at it as and the scripture says it well if God is love and God is Abba father he's a he's a loving dad and when you realize he's a loving dad um, yeah, he, he's there for us, and it kind of changes how you view it. And I think there it is. For me, he was a drill sergeant mm -hmm. for the longest time. Police officer, drill sergeant, insert whatever you want there that makes life. i got to perform to a certain standard. But when I realized he's a loving dad that already loves me and has already forgiven me, and therefore, man, that, that's the way I want to live for him just because he, he, he has given me so much and loves me that much. Yeah, it kind of changes your how you go about seeing life, and it also goes about it. To me, it takes the pressure off. Yeah, I'm not having to be Mr. Perfect. I can be just all right. Let's just let's just be people who love the Lord. It's it's the mercy and the grace and all that type of stuff because we talk about it, but we don't live it out. I mean, it, right. it's it's easy to talk about it on Sunday mornings, and but day in and day out, can. Okay, day in and day out. Can you sin every day? Yep, I got that yeah, one covered. I know doing, I can do that one. I do it well. Okay, can I be forgiven every day? Yeah, I can. Can I move on and learn from it without dwelling on it? Well, that's the part that I think most of us struggle with that part. And at the end of the day, it's, we make it more complicated because God, all God wants to do is... Keep seeking. Yeah, keep seeking. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think therein lies the, the, the gist of it is um, what you're going to give your heart to chase after. Yeah. Uh, and we will. We, we can be so... Uh, you know, I think about my dog. He can be so easily distracted. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sitting there talking to him, and you know, the old, the old squirrel over yonder. Yeah. Him. <laughs> and it's one of we we need to make sure that we keep our eyes fixed, as Hebrews 12 says, keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. How do we talk to God? How do we sure. seek God? How do we find? It? Well, I think it's important to remember that that God speaks to us in various ways. Of course, one of the best ways is through His Word. 
I mean, you can know right, anything that you think you're hearing from God, you should be able to go back and line up with, okay, that matches what, what the Scripture says. So he speaks to us definitely through, through, through the Word. Uh, he speaks to us through prayer as we pray and seek Him, as we listen to Him. And I always remind people, listen, when you pray, you are not the most important person talking. <laughs> he, he's talking to us, and oftentimes we... We tend to think of prayer as, okay, God, here's my wish list. Make it happen. Well, that's the last time I checked, that's not it. Prayer is us seeking him. And let's face facts. He's God. He already knows what we need. He already knows our hurts. He knows our, our what we're struggling with. I think oftentimes prayer is a tool for me to recognize just how much I depend upon him. I don't think I, I pray weird. <laughs> and then I started thinking about that, and I thought, how do I know I pray weird? I don't know right. how anybody else prays technically, not in their head. Right. I hear how you pray at church. You pray, yeah, when we pray out I don't know how you pray in your, in your head. Right. Most people probably pray out loud similar to what they do in their head, but it's probably not exactly the same. It can, it can range. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. A lot of times in my, in my personal prayer life, not in front of the church or anything else, man, I, I spend quite a bit of time just being still, being silent. There's so many models that are out there uh, for prayer. I mean, of course, Jesus gives us the ultimate model in, uh, in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount with the, the Lord's Prayer, which is a beautiful way. And listen, I've done a 13-week study on 168 words. So, I mean, you can really go into uh, all kinds of different, you know, the way that uh, this prayer is and, and even the way he starts it out, our Father which art in heaven. I always like to start out with worship. Okay. It's not a immediately go in there, uh, okay, God, here's this, here's this, here's this. No, I want to focus on who he is. And what I've noticed for me is when I focus on who he is, uh, the things I thought were so important and dire, they tend to kind of, it's kind of like, okay, when I know I got big problems, but I take them to my bigger God, yeah, these problems aren't as big as they were. So I think that's one of the key, key lessons is to always start on focusing on him. As I said, you're not the most important person in the room when you're praying or talking. So start there. And what I, I recommend to people is find a psalm. Uh, there's some, I mean, goodness, David was a man after God's own heart. And so if you find a psalm that he wrote that's having to do with worship, man, just read that to the Lord. Inscribe to him his greatness and describe or think about his uh, loving kindness endures forever and his faithfulness uh, it goes from generation to generation. And just begin to think about, okay, what is, what is the writer saying there and how, just how good and how great is he? Yeah. And so that's really, I mean, to me, prayer is, is a part, worship is a big part of prayer for me, uh, is that I want to spend time just just praising the Lord and worshiping him, give, ascribing. That's a big old fancy word, but just basically recognizing who he is. In my, my prayer life during the day, that other 167, and I think when I suggested that name or whatever, it was that's where it kind of comes from is because if I pray throughout the day, 9 o'clock in the morning, whatever, I said a, a very short prayer on the way across the parking lot here because yeah. I dropped my phone for oh, the no. second time since I got it <laughs> five, six days ago. But for the second time, it didn't land on the brand new face, yeah, and I don't have Lord. to go spend 150 bucks to replace right. it. Thank and I said, man, God, thank you. That was yeah. two in a row this week you yeah. saved me. <laughs> and he's saying go buy a cake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, think about it. Paul says pray without ceasing. 
That means we're in constant communication with, with the Father. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's number one. But number two is, going along that same lines of, you, you mentioned confession. Well, that's the second step of praying. If, if, a, if you're a first, you start with adoration and praise. The second is confession, and it makes sense. Once I focus upon the, the majesty, the holiness, uh, the awesomeness of God, then, then I'm going to realize, man, Lord, how am I even in your presence as a sinner, and 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 the more that I focus on the holiness of God, the the more I see my own sin, and even sins that okay maybe I hadn't even thought about because the Lord will bring the Holy Spirit will bring those those sins that maybe you haven't taken to Him and maybe we haven't dealt with. So yeah, start with adoration, and as you focus on just how it's kind of like when you see uh, when you see something that's perfect. Then you see something beside it, and you're like, oh, I thought this was big, but then this is mammoth, you know, that kind of thing. Then you begin to see your own sin and confessing it, knowing that, hey, man, God, you you are a gracious God. And through the blood of Christ that was shed for me, my sins are forgiven. And, Lord, because of your awesomeness, I don't want to walk in that stuff. So it's a repentance as well as a confession. So you got the worship then you got the confession and, and spend time there and just saying, you know, and again, this is not a brow beaten man. I'm just going, I'm no good. I'm this, that, and the other. Although at the same time, it, it is a recognizing that in my flesh, yeah, I don't, I don't have much to, to bring to the table. But in Christ, man, now, now we're ready. And now, Lord, you've, you've made me your child. And again, this is not uh, one size fits all. You got to do this every time. This is just a typical model that can help. Especially, I think I, I was taught this model when I was eight years old, and it, it has made a big difference in my life, at, even at eight years old, that, okay, I want to start with who he is. And, and, but there's no right or wrong. I mean, when you look at the scriptures, uh, Nehemiah is about to go before the king, and he basically says this, God help me before this king. But he had been praying for months before that. But there was that one last. So there are times when it's going to be that, oh, Lord, you know, help me get through this. Or, Lord, I'm about to meet with someone. Can you help me? Or I'm, yeah, that, God hears those. And I think it's cool that we have an awesome God that nothing is too big for him, but nothing's too small either. The smaller the types of problems you'll take to God, doesn't that mean you'll be talking to God a whole lot more often? I think it's you'll be talking to God more often, which is a plus. But I think it's also, uh, again, go back to that word dependence. Because if I recognize, you know what, and I think we fool ourselves into thinking, okay, I'm on autopilot, I can handle these, this or these problems. Can you really? I mean, I, I think that's one of those things of, because as you said last week and as I've said before, man, leave it to me and I'll mess it up. I know some people that even if they're going somewhere that they know where it's at, they still use their navigation, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, I had something really, <laughs> really funny happen to me one time, and uh, it's, the, the situation wasn't funny, but I thought about God in it, and it became amusing. I'm going to my mom and dad. About two hours away, I'd go about every two, three, four weeks. have been doing it since yeah. 2000. Driving backwards. Yeah. I ride up there. I never plug in my GPS. And I get up there one day and I get to Winston-Salem about 30 minutes away. And I hit a traffic jam that leaves me there for an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. And I'm too far away from the next exit to get out of it. And so I finally am like, well, let me plug in my GPS and see what the quickest route is. And it says there's not one. And it occurred to me that if I plugged that in and I left my house... I would have known about it and I'd have taken the bypass through downtown instead. Right. Or not taken the bypass. I'd have gone through downtown with instead and gotten home 30 minutes earlier. And I thought about how many times do I do that in my life with God? Mm-hmm. I, know, I got this. I got this. Right. I don't need God for this. This is a yeah, simple I one. I, I got this. this road. Yeah. 
Now, why wouldn't you do that? You, you've got somebody, so a, a tool that can make sure you get there as efficiently as you can. Right. And we do that with God. We have access, but we don't use him all the time. I like that, I like that analogy. And e- even in that analogy, you know, your GPS isn't all-knowing. We have a God that's, that's all-knowing. That's and that's what makes it even better. Is that's what makes it so He knows ironic. there's a pothole or he knows there's a wreck. I mean, that's why, yeah, and I think it is one of recognizing that. And, again, I think that key word that's been for the day so far has been that dependence of you know, yeah, I I need him every every hour. I need him. That's the old song that they used to sing. But I I I know that I need him on on each and every little thing that's in my life. It, just like you and I have a pretty easy time talking, and because mm-hmm. you know we got a good a good friendship, good mm-hmm. relationship. I think that relationship with the Lord. The more that you do it, and again, I understand when you first start, it seems a little awkward. Or am I saying mm-hmm. this right? I don't want to say the wrong thing. Man, just just be yourself. Uh, the Lord knows who you are, so just be yourself. I don't think that's really what he's grading us on, nah. is the words we use and all that nah, stuff. Heavens no. In fact, I, I'll go ahead and let you know. That's what he said when in Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, and several places in Matthew. He tells the Pharisees, and he tells us, I'm not impressed with your big words. I'm not impressed with uh, using vain repetition, uh, the same words over and over again. You're not going to impress God with your vocabulary. Uh, what what God is impressed with is is the heart. Dad, I need help. Dad, I need you. Dad, I love you. Dad, and, and rather than uh, holy art thou, and you know, and I think there's that humility. So there, there's a lot to be said for humility. Again, I think these terms that we keep, humility, dependence, surrender, the, these are all the, the keys to a good prayer life. But you're right. It always comes back to what's the heart behind it. Not the, the words that express it. What's the heart behind it? Like Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that was just, uh, we, we've been talking about it. And I'm going to paraphrase it in, because it's a fairly short verse, and I'm just going to paraphrase it from how I remember it from the translation that I read. But basically, don't worry about anything and pray about everything. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about anything. Well, that's easy. Don't worry about anything. I got a lot on my mind. But he continues in the next part to say, instead... And that's a, you, you do that in church. If you wouldn't do this, we'd get out sooner. But you'll, <laughs> you'll stop halfway and say, why is this one word yeah. there? And we'll spend what, 10 what, minutes what on that this? one word. Yeah. Instead is the key thing that makes me keep reading. Tell me what to do instead. Pray about everything. And it's not just pray. Pray about what? Everything. Yeah. Right? yeah. So that became something I was like, well, I take it literally. I just pray throughout the day about everything I can think of. Man, don't, you know, don't make it about it's got to be certain words. Don't make it about it's got to be a certain length. Don't make it's got, it's got to be in a certain place. God's people have prayed in fields. They have prayed uh, right before going into a king's palace. They have prayed, uh, you name it. There's been all kinds of different prayers. And I think it's one of when you're driving down the road, when you are wherever you are, hey, man, it's okay. You can talk to the Lord. And I think that's where the reading of the Gospels comes in. And when you see the genuineness and the tenderness and the compassion and you see what Christ was like, yeah, that's, that's who I, I aspire to be like. Now, do I always do it? Nah, man, I fail miserably. But, man, that's when I, when I see how he acts and reacts and carries himself, man, that's, that's, that's you know, you, want, you always become what you admire. So when you seek the Lord, you begin to realize, oh, he, he's in various places. Yeah. And he might be in that conversation with, you know, that friend. Uh, it might be in the Word of God. It might be, and you begin to see his fingerprints, and you begin to see him leading and guiding. I've I've said to God before, just 
it, please help me to see this situation through your eyes. Yeah, that's, that's great how I, that, that, that I just want help me to see, feel, think, whatever, ever how you want me to see the situation. Great way. Just hit me with that. Yeah. And in those tragic times, those hard times, oftentimes it is, Lord, help me to see it through your eyes, but also, Lord, somehow, some way, use this. If it's to help me to grow, if it's to help someone out there come to Christ, that's really what we, we you know, those, don't waste this hurt, Lord. Uh, we, let's, let's use it for your glory somehow, some way. And again, I think it all boils down to that, uh, that five-letter word, trust. I did it right. I did it right. I was sitting there thinking, I hope it's not six. It's trust. The way I say it, it might sound like six. I kind of started off by saying, what would happen if you told your Southern Baptist preacher the truth about the other 167 hours of your life? <laughs> and I think what I'm, I'm starting to realize that we're hopefully answering is that it actually, you'd find out we're a whole lot more alike in the way we think than you probably think and would, right. would expect. So, Yeah, we oftentimes uh, make pride into, okay, just a big ego. He's a jerk. Uh, he's so self-centered, so self-conceited, or just conceited above all, and that's what that's oftentimes what we make pride. But but really, when you really get down to it, when it when you put I as being most important, and I, but pride takes so many shapes, so many forms. I mean, it it can be from somebody giving you a compliment that you you know, oh man, and you start believing that, or it can be pride can be why is nobody giving me a compliment. Somebody ought to be patting me on the back, dadgummit. I'm, I'm good. And why, why, you know, and if nobody else will, I'll pat myself on the back. Uh, you know, and I think that's for a pastor, and you, you mentioned this, and I'll share it. I mean, for a pastor, it's, it, it, it can be real dangerous because people come up to you out on a Sunday. Oh, man, I enjoyed your message. That was so good. Oh, it was. And, and, and if you're not careful, you've got you to gotta be careful and be on your guard because you can start believing that and start thinking, oh, yeah, man, I must be some kind of God, you 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 better be glad you're on my team or I'm on your team, God. Mm, no, I have to remind myself, and I always try to say it, and I mean it with all sincerity. Is if you got anything out of whether a podcast, a, a live stream, or in person, or we do some other things, if you got anything out of it, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not Ben Pierce. That that's the Holy Spirit speaking through, and it's and it's the Word of God. So pride pride can be very um, it's something you have to guard against. Because yeah, God God tells us it's 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 one of the big seven, the seven deadly sins. It's pride, and he he point blank says in Proverbs he hates it. You know, I can tell you a week ago, six days ago, I suppose I would have freely admitted that pride is a consistent contender on my leaderboard of sins. And really, Sunday in service is when it finally clicked, and I got it when right. you described humility that, right. and your definition of humility was beautiful. That it was not thinking less of yourself, but it was not thinking about yourself at all. Right. That was the most beautiful way I've ever heard that. And it was simple, too. Trying to make to think less of yourself is actually complicated. You've got to think of ways to do that. Just not think about yourself, and, and you're that's easy. About yourself. Yeah. yeah, you got Yeah, exactly. So it was just really interesting for me to see that after I saw how widespread that thing was, it wasn't on my leaderboard of sins. It was... Right. Hall of Fame level goat of all time. Like, there's really <laughs> yeah. not any. There's a few other things that sneak in there, but it's responsible for everything. Yeah. It's so deeply rooted. You, I think you that's just what said it's it. See, it, how deeply rooted it is in your life. You you just said it. It's responsible mm -hmm. because if you really stop and think about it, sin is basically saying, "Okay, God, you have told me that this is the way I need to live," and then I come back and I say, "God, I know you said that, but what do you know? 
I know what's best. And there it goes again, I. And so at, at the very heart of, of sin itself is pride of I know better or I think I want to do this versus what God's telling me I need to do because I want that thrill. I want that, you know, whatever I'm shooting for there for the sin or I want to make myself look good. Even if you stop and think about it, a false humility and people that are always putting themselves down, uh, you know, on, on purpose and just kind of, you know, even though they know they're good, well, I'm not that, you know, that that is a form of pride as well. I mean, it really is. I mean, it, it is a deceptive. It is one that uh, we will fool ourselves into thinking that mm, I'm not that prideful. But when, when we really get down to it, we are hardwired from the jump, from from birth of being self-centered, being I've got to focus on me and making sure I'm at the center of everything versus someone else. I try as much as I can not to just make this the Learn From Garrett's Mistakes show. (laughs) (laughs) I've probably played that card a little bit, that false humility, that kind of thing, because Mm -hmm. I'm I'm naturally known to be very arrogant. I mean, that's, and that's fairly earned. So when I'm trying to work on humility, that's my go-to. It's like, well, let's do the opposite. Let's yeah, just pretend let's just that nothing I do down. is that. Well, oftentimes when I'm thinking about pride is, okay, what's my motivation? Who, who am I doing this for? Is it for me or is it for the Lord? And there's that fine line because we can even cloud that from time to time if we're not careful. If somebody gives me a compliment, all right, my motivation is, all right, well, I'm glad somebody's recognizing what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or... No, I'm doing it for the Lord. And mm-hmm. I think therein lies the whole, you know, even goes back to Matthew six thirty three. For me, it goes back there a whole lot that uh, I'm seeking first his kingdom, his righteousness. I'm going to, uh, 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. whatsoever I eat or whatsoever I drink, I want to do for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And what am I doing it for? And if it's for people to see me, people to recognize me, or, hey, I, I you know, hey, I'm, I'm the guy that's up there preaching. And so I'm the, no, it's, it's for the Lord. And if the Lord's getting the glory, then, and, and I think I've always, I had an uh, employer one time that, uh, that said, man, I want to hire a bunch of employees. When he was interviewing me, he said, I, I want to hire employees that, that, that want to get the job done, but don't care who gets the pat on the back. Again, simple terms, thou shalt not hurt yourself. God, you don't know. I know what's best. And then lo and behold, there comes destruction. We have to be careful of sometimes, well, especially those that, um, if you've been walking with the Lord for years, um, serving in a church or even on staff somewhere, one of, one of the things that, that Christ had more angst against was a religious pride. So I'm not a complicated teacher by no means. Uh, I just like to put it as simple as I, I figured it this way. If a third grader can understand my sermon, then we've hit it about right. Having my kids listen to the show might be a great tool for them just to, because I said it the other day, I told them, Mom, I wouldn't explain it any any different if they asked me these questions right. straight to my face. This may not be on their level, but it's as close as I can get. Fear, worry, guilt. Last yeah. week it was dependence yeah. um, surrender. and just yeah. surrender. And when you think about it, I mean, I'm guessing I'm pride leads to all five of those. Mm-hmm. And that's just five of our key words so far. But, yeah. I mean, it's, it is so interconnected because we our pride keeps us from... Depending on God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, that's not a hard hard line to draw. I mean, e- even worry, in mm-hmm. a way, is, is a form of pride. Because you think you control it. That's you right. Think it's in your control. It, it is, okay, God, I don't know that you've got this, but 
if I sit here and worry about it, it'll get solved. Or mm-hmm. how am I going to fix it? Or am I, oh no, what's going to happen? I mean, again, you're putting yourself back on. And again, I, I think the old, old um, example of is Christ on the throne of your life or are you on the throne? And if I'm on the throne, then I better worry about every little detail rather than putting him there. I don't have to worry about that. He's he's going to take control of it, and he's going to do that. Guilt, that's an easy one if you stop and think about it. That uh, okay, now now I've made my sin, my wrongs, my everything the center of my focus or the focus of everything that I'm I'm consumed with, as if that's that that is the most important thing in the world, and I carry that. So yeah, I mean every one of these sins, if you really stop and think about it, it it's and when you really think about it, I mean, I, and the more I'm talking about this, it just comes. How warped are we when we are, we come we come hardwired to be warped and. And Christ says, no, I've come to set you free from that and and set you free from self-effort and set you free from self-righteousness. And instead, now I'm giving you freedom in Christ to where now, now you walk by the Spirit. But we begin to think like Christ. And how do we think like Christ? Well, it's filled with, with God's Word. Mm-hmm. And that's where Scripture memory and putting it, hiding it in our hearts so that we might not sin against God. Those are the times that we develop that mind of Christ. Or as I like to put it, and I don't know, I can't remember. It's one of my favorite illustrations. But inside this room right now, there are all kinds of radio waves. Mm-hmm. They are all in here. But now if I bring my little radio that I got on my table that I, that I turn on and listen to, you know, whether it's my son on uh, WXYZ, <laughs> check him out. Uh, whether it's uh, I listen to my son or another radio station or a state game, Carolina game, whatever the case may be, I got to turn it on and I got to tune it into that frequency. Mm-hmm. They're going on. I may not hear them. But until I turn that frequency onto that certain channel, now I'm picking up. You know, the airwaves. And I think that's that in a way is a lot. Now, I don't want to, it ain't always like that. But but when you are in tune with, with what God is saying through his word, through, yeah, you're going to hear it. Yeah. If I don't have the radio turned on, guess what? I'm not going to hear WXYZ. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not going to hear those channels because it's not even turned on. Yeah. The third P was pride. Um, so I can actually tell you. It's got to go. Yeah. Now, it's funny. I was thinking about it in kind of getting ready for this uh, this show. I was like, you know, as big of a topic as this should have been in my life, I don't really remember ever hearing preach on this specifically, except for that one, but it was just one bullet. It wasn't like an entire sermon on it. And then it occurred to me, it probably happened while I was MIA. Or better yet, I might have been there, just not knowing he was talking about me. <laughs> But I believe in the New Testament, when, when Jesus is, is confronting the Pharisees, I believe it's your religious, your Christian-going folks that really struggle with pride just as much. And that's the pride that, that I, I, I tend to think the Lord has such, a, such an issue with. Mm-hmm. Because it can be. When, when we've been walking with the Lord, or, we, you know, or we, we sit there and we watch the news and we'll see something that somebody did and you know, we, we automatically started judging them or I would never do that. Mm-hmm. Really? You, you sure about that? Yeah. Because I, I know that my heart is deceptively wicked is what Jeremiah told me. It's deceptively wicked above all things. And so therefore, uh, except for the grace of God, that'd be me on the news with the mugshot. That humbleness, God's going to exalt that. And First uh, Peter chapter 5, he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And I always like to say, choose your enemy. Choose your enemy. You already got one. His name, his, his, the enemy is Satan. He wants to trip you up. But if you choose to walk the way of pride, 
God resists the proud. So I don't, I don't need two enemies. Uh, and I sure don't want one of the one that would give me grace if I walk in humility. Where does um, looking for opportunities to serve play into that? Because that's something that I could see being said. If you're, if you're, this might be too deep for a rabbit hole, but if you, that's a fine line you can be really careful. Sometimes you're doing that for the wrong reason, right? You're doing something to serve others so you'll feel better about yourself. And that's an ironic way to think that I'm going to fix my pride is to go do right. something to make you feel better. Yeah, I feel but, better about myself. But or, at the same time, if you're, if you truly can, un, can get to the bottom and know that your heart is in the right place and you're right. helping others, that's a great way to give you that humility and see that that's, it's all everybody working together for that greater good kind of thing again. So how do you, yeah. where does that fall as a solution? Yeah, and I think, I think there, because I see this a lot in, in church life. Uh, somebody, you know, may want to serve on a certain team because, well, I'm going to fix every problem on, you know. Yeah. Uh, it happens. I hate to say it. I wanna, I'm going to serve on the finance team so I can tell everybody how they need to spend their money. Because mm-hmm. I know better than everybody else. And, and I, I see that. Or and even I, just in looking for people to reach out and offer help to and things like that. Right. It, it may not necessarily be serving in a certain role like that, but yeah. looking for ways. Again, the Denzel Washington speech that I, I think I've – it may not be in the same speech, but he says one of the most selfish things you can do is do for others because of that feeling you get. That's And, and I, I agree with that. I don't think that's a good thing that we right. do things to feel that way. But I think what he said is – Actually, true. It, it can happen. Gives you that. We, we get again. We get that twisted. We yeah. get twisted that okay. I'm doing this because I want to feel good about myself. Right. And look, I, I'll be the first to admit I've been on mission trips around the world, and I always come back more blessed than I know I was a blessing to others. Yeah. But I always wanted to be of uh, Lord help me to remember that the blessing that I gave them it, it came from you number one. And again, that goes back to the giver of all good gifts. Mm-hmm. But it also comes back to okay, Lord. Because you've blessed me, uh, I need to be a blessing. Right. And not, not for my, my recognition, but more importantly, I want people to see the blesser. Mm-hmm. And so if I can be used as a blessing, look at the one who's the real blesser. Not, not this guy, but, but somebody else. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, that's, that's tough. That's, uh, yeah, and I think it always comes back to, uh, as Galatians 6, 4 says, we've got to examine ourselves. And we can even cheat on that if we're not careful. And that's where we got to examine ourselves with the truth of the Scripture and with the scrutiny of the Spirit uh, so that, okay, let, let's, be, let's be perfectly honest here. How do you keep a regular check? Right. What are your daily vitals that you need to check to make sure that you're, you know, you're, you're staying where you need to be there? Yeah. And, and, but, and, and even that, and that's where I'm, I'm, I'm kind of I'm thinking about, okay, if we go there, how would, how would we go about tackling that? And that's even, even that has its pitfalls because if we're not careful, then my daily quiet time, becomes something I've got to do rather than yeah. I get to. Yeah. And we make our our walk with the Lord a checklist. Check it <laughs> off, check it off. I did this. Went to church, I gave I gave a five in the plate, I did this. I, yeah. I and that's not what God's looking for. God's yeah. looking for, again, a genuine heart that seeks after him. And so I, I think we, we have to be careful to say, okay, you gotta daily pray, daily read your Bible, daily do this. Nothing wrong with those. Yeah. If they don't if they are kept in the right lane. But if we begin to make that our religion, then we've missed we make that our focus rather than the one the book's talking about. It's, uh, Romans five seven mm-hmm. and John fifteen thirteen. John fifteen thirteen, no greater love does a man have than this to lay down his life for his friends. But Romans five seven says, you know, sometimes somebody might be willing to die for a good person. Maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, uh but 
you know, but rarely, rarely, if ever, is someone going to die for someone that's a scoundrel or yeah. a, you know, I'm not going to jump in the bullet uh, yeah. to save Hitler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and again, but then when you think about we were helpless, uh, we were we were powerless to to save ourselves. We were we were ungodly. We were uh, sinners, and, and yes, enemies. But yet, in that, God sent His Son to die for us. Yeah, it kind of kind of helps us to understand just how amazing that love is, and uh, and we didn't do anything to earn it. And that's yeah. why, again, when we when we have this walk with the Lord, we need to always remind ourselves: I'm not earning His love, yeah. and I'm not disqual. You know, I'm not going out there and um, if I mess up or I, I say something I shouldn't, He's going to automatically. Well, I'm quit. I'm through with yeah. you, yeah. you bum. No, that's not God. God is very gracious and kind. At the same time, He expects His children to live a life worthy of that gospel. But then again, he gives us the strength to do that mm-hmm. through his spirit and by his grace. So, And I use the illustration of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. We know Ephesians 2, 8. It is by grace through faith you're saved, not works, lest anyone should boast. And and then uh, 9 is along those same lines that it's not by, you, you don't have anything to brag about. But then verse 10 says that you are saved for works, not by works, but for works. And I use the illustration of a, a running back hitting that hole. And and I don't know if you've ever seen this, but man, a running back hits the hole, he's wide open, and then all of a sudden it, the, the saying is the turf monster got him. He trips over his own two feet and falls. Yeah. I think oftentimes if we just focus on eight and nine, we, we are hitting the turf. Mm-hmm. We, we have hit the turf monster. Ten is that verse that we need to focus on is our goal as Christians is not just to get to heaven. Good gracious. No, our goal is to live it right and live it and follow the Lord and grow in the Lord until we get to heaven. Yeah. And so when you know what your goal is, that kind of changes, okay, how am I going to go about today and what do I want to do to, to make this day count? And so we don't <laughs> don't trip over our own two feet. Yeah. <laughs> and I asked you the question, I don't think I really want to go here on the show, but part of me does kind of want to, what would Jesus be like in today's yeah, society? I don't know that, that one. I, I've thought about that one. A long time of what would he be like today? And I, I think oftentimes what we fall into is a trap of we, we tend to make, you know, when God created the earth, Genesis one twenty seven, he created man in his own image. We, we tend to create God in our own image. Mm-hmm. And what we want to do is we want to craft Jesus to be either a Republican or a Democrat. <laughs> or he is, uh, he'd be a Redskin fan or he'd be this fan. Yeah. And we want to make God and Christ into our own image when I'm, I'm not sure he would be that. And, and to answer that, the more I thought about the, the question, because I was like, golly, what, what, what would he be like? If you really want to know what, what Christ would be like, the answer should be found in the church. But then again, I'm not sure that we can say that. You stop and think about it. I mean, there are some folks that, uh, the word religion, they, they have made that their God in the fact of, you know, I've got to do all these sets of rules, and if you don't follow these rules, then you're not as good as I am. And by the way, I may mess up once, but you messed up three times. And that's what legalism does. It, it really does. It creates a, I'm better than you because all I've got to do is beat you. Well, if that's the case, then golly, what did Christ come for? And, you know, as I said Sunday, Christ didn't come for all those who have all their stuff together. He came for those that were broken, those who are hurting, uh, those that, uh, you know, aren't, aren't the, uh, the perfect ones. I'm gonna, I got my analogy. I figured out how I was gonna, this is what I would say to, to religion. And uh, I'm going to be honest. One will say it's not the nicest thing in the world to say. So, this, you know, I, I, I understand that. But you know what religion is? 
Religion is Eagles fans. <laughs> I don't hate the Eagles because of their players, their owner, their coaches, anything and like the that. Fans. I because they're fans. The most obnoxious uh, fans in the world. Well, I hate the fans and the <laughs> they win all the time. That too. But that's where, and I could also actually use Cowboy fans in the 90s, you know, because they won a lot, but boy, their fans were not a lot, whole lot yeah, fun to be around. Don't get me started on Cowboys. I think that's how Christians are, though. We've got this great team that we support, Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. But boy, we sure are cocky about how good our guy is compared to everybody, and we're awful great because we pull for this team. Well, yeah. what did you do? You didn't play? Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> and it is. That's a, I think and then we right. get the really fun ones where you've got Eagles fans fighting with Cowboy fans. That's your Baptists and your Methodists and your Catholics and your whatever else. <laughs> you, I mean, like, or two Baptists. Does it, does it matter? Yeah. Or two Baptists. Yeah, yeah good point. Y'all act like you got some sins. <laughs> Nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your request known to God. So, so don't worry. Well, but there's a difference between worry and concern. I mean, let's let's face facts. I'm concerned about my children. I'm concerned about you know the future. I'm concerned for where we are as a country. But at the same time, I know who's in control. And even if it's a scary situation and one where we tend to worry, that's when we need to be able to hear and listen and see. Or maybe there's little things here and there that we say, oh, "No, I see God's hand. I see. I hear His footsteps. I see this." And you begin to see, okay, God's still there. God's got this, and, and, you, and you depend on that. Patience and just taking a little bit more time gives you one huge advantage. It gives you the opportunity to collect more information. The quicker you act, the, you, you, give, you forfeit that opportunity. Right. As long as you're sitting still, there's a possibility that something else comes along that helps you guide your decision. You more, yeah. So I think in, in my, what I'm learning to do by accident, I'm not even trying this. I think this is just <laughs> one of those things God just kind of taking, taking care of for me. I don't think that's saying be lazy and don't make any decisions, mm -hmm. but I think sometimes just take time and understand the decisions that had to be made yeah. right this second, right today, whatever. Well, and I think, I think a lot of times it, it all depends on what you're deciding. You know, uh, look, if it's a, a major life decision, yeah, I want to take the time to really pray, really seek the Lord, re really, really get before him. If, it, if it's something that's not as a big decision, okay, let, let's still, still go before him, still, mm -hmm. you know, pray about it and seek the Lord on it. Uh, but, but I don't think there's ever, I mean, I think that goes back to what, um, what the book of Psalm, uh, whether it's Psalm 40, several other Psalms, all throughout the book, it, it's going to have weight on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord will, and it be blessed. Or those who wait on the Lord will, and, and it's always something favorable. Mm -hmm. uh, waiting, waiting on the Lord is, is really, that's what it is. It's not a uh, just sitting around twiddling your thumbs. It's seeking Him, knowing, okay, Lord, when you give that answer, then I'm going to respond. And uh, that waiting on the Lord is difficult, though. And, uh, but if we can perfect that, that helps us in those decisions. I find that um, I'm so bad at oversimplifying things to keep my mind straight. But when I'm praying, I catch myself so many times. And, I don't, again, I don't know if I've said this recording, but I think I've said it to you privately. I catch myself constantly saying, please, God, help this to happen. And then I'll think, well, no, because he might not want that. I mean, okay, well, please help this happen. And, and I'll play this game for a while, and then eventually I'll just say, you know what? Your will be done. Amen. And I think therein lies. I mean, you see this in Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Your will be done. Mm -hmm. He could have easily said, Lord, I'm not going through with this. But he made his point, and then he said, but, Lord, your will be done. And I think that's where you, you really have to uh, get yourself to because that's really, uh, again, prayer is lining up with his will, right? And so we, your will be done. We get to that place to say whether it costs me or whether it's good for me or whether it, it always goes back to his glory.
Mm-hmm. Lord, Lord, I want I want you to be glorified here. Not not so I can have an easy life, not so this works out, but Lord, for your glory. And when we when we are consumed with his glory and him getting the 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 fame or the recognition, yeah, that that now we're talking. You know, what regardless of what happens, I'm going to trust him. Even if it is the hard, hard, hard things in life, or uh, it may be a, a loss of a family member, it may be something tragic, I can still trust him. And that's, that's where, again, that's hard, but at the same time, you're trusting that, hey, even that family member, I'm going to see him again. It's incredible. I've, I've seen those things a little bit in the last little bit where it's just like, a and B are totally opposite sides of the coin. I'm cool with either one, whichever. Right. Bring it on, you know. Yeah. Lord, you as long as I'm with you. Well, and it's just but, like this. Look, I, if we make the end goal, I'm gonna get to heaven. Uh, yeah. Man, you've missed the the main part. That main part is between accepting Christ and when He calls you home. Man, figuring it out, walking with Him, seeing Him work. That's that's what our main main play is, if you will. But I might want to work on my language a little bit. I think we established from that <laughs> yeah. one that that might have been a problem area. Well. The days I'm at football, not my best behavior. No, That's yeah. not my best. I'll just be honest. I get fired up about it. Well, I didn't know this, but one of our coaches is a preacher. Yeah, there you <laughs> so, go. There you well, I've been uh, cussing up one side and down the other with one preacher on Saturday afternoons. I've been doing my podcast with yeah. the other one on Tuesdays, oh, 48 wait. hours later. <laughs> Very humiliating. But I, We're never going to be sinless. But as a Christ follower, we should sin less. Mm-hmm. And when we sin, hopefully the Holy Spirit is saying, what are you doing? Lord, break my heart. As soon as, as soon as I sin, Lord, help. That feeling of, oh, man, what am I doing? I want that feeling. Yeah. I, when you tell God that I want you to take control of my life, whether mm-hmm. I want it or not, and give you my free will, you better make sure you mean that because he will do it if you oh, yeah. truly mean it. Well, uh, I really believe, you know, each week is funny. We Philippians 4, we've talked about Matthew 6. These are some of the more uh, popular verses or chapters. But Romans chapter 8 is right up there, probably one of the best chapters in the Bible when you really stop and think about who you are in Christ Jesus. Um, that uh, one, no condemnation. You get to verse 14 and 15, you've been adopted, and we whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You get to Romans 8, 28, and it talks about uh, all, the, all the bad things we go through. God works them out together for good, and nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, it is amazing when you look at it. So just holding on to Romans 8.1 is enough to say, all right, I don't have to walk in guilt. I don't have to walk in uh, past failures. No, they've been forgiven. Yeah. You know, there are situations you can be in where you can interpret a verse or a chapter or a story from the Bible as being I've got two choices, A and B. I don't care what they are. But this verse tells me that choice A is godly, and this verse might suggest that choice B is godly. And how do I make that decision? And the way I worded it to you the other day um, was, how safe is it to apply Occam's razor to that? The simplest explanation tends to be the right one. And what's cool about that sort of is that that in and of itself tees us up for a contradiction to to debate that. You've got, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Mm -hmm. Then you've also got the... And I don't know the exact verse here, but I know that the Bible refers to the, the devil as the ultimate deceiver, that the, he's right. the, the, the deceptive one. So I tend to think that the more dis, the more complicated a situation is, let me let me rephrase that. The further I've got to go on that limb to say that my the Bible justifies choice right. B, the more right. likely it is that it's choice A, right. because that's a complicated thing the devil's trying to. But 
at the same time, you know, the Lord works mysterious ways too. So maybe that's not the right answer. So how safe can that? You yeah. know, can we can we say to say the simplest explanation is the right one? You know, when we have to make decisions, sometimes it's not always uh, right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's best and good, or mm-hmm. good and better. Yep. And I think one of the things that we always have to remind ourselves, if we're going to walk with the Lord, the other 167, if you will, (laughs) one of the things we've got to remember is, okay, what is it that we're shooting for? What's our aim? What's our purpose? And if our purpose is to always make much of Christ or to live for him, then as I make these decisions, then my, my decision needs to be, okay, as I look at this, it doesn't always have to be what's best for me. That's hard, but what what is it that's going to give God the most glory? What is it that's most pleasing to him? And then, you know, one of the things that came in when you and I were talking earlier was, okay, so if we got two verses and we're looking at it, well, there's there's some rules that go along with that of, you know, we always want to, there's always going to be a passage that I can, I can about justify anything if I want to. Mm-hmm. If I twist and do enough gymnastics with the words, I can about <laughs> justify any, any action I want to do for the most part. At the same time, you take the whole, you take the simple passages, and you help to interpret those that are so, so crazy or so that are out there. Because listen, I'll be the first day. Man, I don't understand everything in there. There's some things I come away with. I'm not exactly sure what Christ is saying there, but here's what I do know. I mean, there are so many applications. You and I've uh, discussed uh, Matthew six thirty three to a point of yeah, that's that can mean this. It's it's the, I apply it to here. I apply it to this. I apply it. it. It applies to so many ways, but but still, the meaning is one: seek after the Lord. Yeah. Number one, that's the meaning. Yep. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. All the rest will be added unto you. So all the application is, okay, then I don't need to worry. I need to make sure that I'm seeking him, those things. So the one meaning, many applications. And I think it's also, and we discussed this, that that parables are, are, man, they're great. They're they're earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. But but I don't think it is, um, I think we would be doing ourselves an injustice if we, um, if we really go to town on those parables that, okay, this is, it's always this way. Yeah. Jesus was just giving us an example of the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Well, does that really mean, I mean, it's those things of we have to be careful, but the meaning that's behind there is, okay, God can take something so small, so insignificant, but yet multiply it for many different things in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't mean that, okay, I'm not a small or I'm not, uh, I'm not incident. It doesn't mean that God can't use other things. It's just yeah. saying that God can take some of the things we didn't think and do something mighty with it. You mentioned one of the most, uh, and I thought maybe maybe bring this up. Uh, you mentioned, I'm going to see if you remember it, uh, one of the most misinterpreted verses of the Bible. Yeah, so Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or depending on how you inter- take the interpretation. Mm-hmm. I remember my first exposure to that verse was Evander Holyfield, boxer. Right, uh, right. And, and I remember seeing him in a fight, and he had it on his, his uh, robe or whatever. And it's one of the goal. I mean, it's in the Hall of Fame of verses. It's probably one of the Mount Rushmore verses, maybe oh, yeah. most it's popular. On, it's on jerseys. It's on yeah. Everybody takes that to mean I can move mountains with Christ guiding me. Mm-hmm. You read the rest of that of the, or of the surrounding, or I can be a Super Bowl champion, or I can be uh, insert this there wherever. Yeah. If you read the rest of that that passage, that ain't what it's saying at yeah, all. No. It's not even close. 
it's about endurance more right. than moving mountains. It's about I context. Can, right. And, That's and right. No, that you, was where it came. You, I thought, and I like the way you, you, uh, you, you asked it. Yeah. Philippians 4.13 has got to be the most misinterpreted <laughs> Bible verse of all time. And I said, you are I said, correct. I got a hot take for you yeah. today. Is, this, no, is it the most interpreted? You're 100% correct. <laughs> I, I agree because, hey, I've seen ball teams take it as their mantra. And, again, I have no problem with, hey, I, I like it. I can do all things through Christ, but I don't think that's what he's getting at in that text. That text has to do with contentment. That text has to do with suffering and still being content. And that text also has to do with the entire book of Philippians is unity for the sake of the gospel. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to honor others above myself. And and so it's not so much about making much of myself, again, as much as it is being humble, walking with the Lord. And so, yeah, I, I don't take it to be that, okay... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to go sign a contract tomorrow morning with the commanders and win the Super Bowl. That's right. I don't see that happening. Yeah. At the same time, I'm not uh, underestimating hard work. Van Holyfield trained and put in and was a good boxer. He won the, won, the, won the belt. Okay. But at the same time, that verse does not mean, all right, I'm going to take it to be my life verse that I can now do everything and anything. Yeah. Yeah. In surrender. I said in the first episode something about I had gone to God to fix my life, but I'd never gone to him to basically give him my life. Oh, wow. And I said on that yeah. show that I said, you know, it's my life is yours, God. You can take it from me tomorrow for all I care. That's not total surrender to me. Mm-hmm. Total, take my life. Eh, okay. I mean, I'm not that worried about dying. Right. Um, I would feel bad for my kids in right. that situation, sure. but I'm not that worried. Ultimate surrender to me is my kids are yours. Do with them what yeah, you want. There you go. Now. Letting go of what really matters. That's hard. But that's where you find him. Yeah. You've got to be willing to do it. You've got to be willing to take the worst possible scenario you can think of yeah. and say, if that's God's will, yeah. can I seek it? Is that right? He's a loving father, yeah. so trust him. And if you're worried about, can I endure what he wants uh, us to get through, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Sum it up.